Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to the following on podcast from Talk Sport. I'm John Norman. Alongside me today is Jared Kimber and we're out and about. Nothing as glamorous as shows we've done on the hoof in Sri Lanka, Barbados or Antigua. But why shouldn't Beckenham be synonymous with cricket in much the same way as those other hotspots? You'll find out why later in the show because there's plenty of cricket to discuss today. And who better to talk Aussie cricket than with Jared? Because in the depths of despair... Australia seemed to be peaking at a worrying time with the World Cup coming up, especially if you're English. Wants two, and that'll be it. It'll be a leg by and victory for Australia. Thanks to that man there, the captain, and he is pumped. 153 not out. It is the highest run chase in Sharjah. Five wins from five and a certain David Warner waiting in the wings to make his comeback. Sling left arm over the wicket and it's a lovely shot from David Warner down the ground. The first maximum of this response. Aussie cricket chat, IPL cricket chat and just why are we in South London? You're listening to Following On. Well, Jarrah Kimber, we have broadcast in some uh, beautiful, exotic, very sunny, very different places over the last six months here on uh, Following On. Uh, we've walked up hills and around lakes in Kandy in Sri Lanka. Um, we've been accosted by uh, market stall owners in Colombo. Myself and you, we uh, scoured dilapidated scoreboards, scoreboards in, or scoreboards, William Shakespeare, in Antigua. And now we find ourselves not too far from home, actually. We've taken following podcast outside again. That seems to be where we like to broadcast. And we're in a, a sunny spot in, uh, in the suburbs, in South London, where I've always called home and uh, you have for quite a few years now. 
Yeah, I used to live around the corner. In fact, I think I was, I reckon I was about two Andrew Simons hits from, from I don't know why I always use Andrew Simons six in, sixes for my measurement, but I'm about two um, Andrew Simons hits from here uh, a couple of years ago. We're in Elmer's End, of course, which is not famous at all, but uh, at the Beckenham Crematorium. Mm, yeah, well, we'll, look, we'll explain a little bit more why we're here. Um, but um, uh, before we get uh, on that, let's just look back at the week in cricket, essentially. That's what this podcast is all about. Look, first up... Uh, who better to speak to than my Antipodean brother from another mother? But somehow, a team that was stinking the place out in 50-over cricket has suddenly gone uh, bang, 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 uh, beating India away, coming from 2-0 down in, in the process, uh, currently 2-0 up away in Pakistan, and David Warner and Steve Smith about to be welcomed back to the fold. Uh, Australian 50-over cricket is in rude health all of a sudden. How has that happened? Yeah, I still don't think it is. I think they've won a, a strung a couple of wins together. But uh, we always knew they had talents. No one, no one was ever saying this was an untalented team. There's, uh, I think the style of one-day cricket they play is still not that good. But it is quite funny when you think about it. England have spent four years meticulously planning for this World Cup. And Australia haven't. And even when they tried to plan, it all fell apart. It was only, what, less than a year ago, they had no idea how to play one-day cricket when they were playing England. And yet suddenly something's all come together. But that's because they are a very talented team. And we saw Pakistan in the Champions Trophy. If you have a lot of talent, you can be a bit shambolic in every other area. And that's what Australia have done. doesn't mean they're going to win the World Cup. You know, it's a long way to go for that. But it does mean that they still have the talent available to them to win a World Cup. What is it about Australia and getting all their players ready at the right time? Because you're right, England have had this team waiting to play a World Cup for about three years. It's a bit like the Ashes last time out. Cummins and Hazelwood and Stark, they hadn't played a single game together ever. Then they, they team up, win the Ashes, and then they get injured again. And you know what? They're all going to be back again. Warner's going to be back. Smith's going to be back. That's just, some would say that's long-term planning. Yeah, I'm not sure it is. <laughs> I'm not sure. You know, th- look, there's a very good players in the Australian team as backups as well right at the moment um, you know Nathan Coulton Isle is I th- still think one of the best bowlers in the world and I have since the first time I saw him you know almost 10 years ago but but the fact that you know that they can move him aside if they want and bring in Pattinson <laughs> shows you the depth of talent that they have like you know their first backup doesn't even need to be Coulton Isle Someone like Andrew Ty, who, you know, they can take a chance on at this stage and they'll be able to throw him into certain games if they want to. Ridiculous sort of depth that they have. But, yeah, I I don't think they're planned. I don't think they're very organised. And this is one of the things that always annoys me about Australian cricket. We win because we have, you know, an incredible cricket culture beneath the Cricket Australia level. And they quite often think that it's the Cricket Australia level that makes us us so amazing. But I think it's this this incredible talent pool that they keep coming up with. And if they win this, they'll be a bit like Pakistan winning the Champions Trophy. It would be a bit fluky. Well, it would be fluky, but they're, of course, the most successful side ever in World Cup history. And they know how to win. And we've seen that in all sports. It's almost ingrained uh, within your culture in some regard. Um, If you grow up watching your team win, if you're part of teams that win, more often than not, when times get tough you still find a way to win and that's it and and every level of sport no matter what the sport is there's another point you mentioned there James Pattinson right now maybe too soon for him for the World Cup but he's going to be certainly be there or thereabouts injury permitting for the Ashes he played in the 2013 Ashes I think uh, got injured after Lords and I don't think we've seen him since certainly uh, maybe just a couple of games for Australia Uh, brilliant brilliant talent but of course he's back playing county cricket as is Cameron Bancroft. Darren Goff um, was of uh, was in strident mood during the week. Let's have a listen to what he had to say in regard to not only Bancroft 
playing for Durham but being made captain. Let me just explain. With the Cameron Bancroft one, I thought their bands were too harsh. Uh, but saying that, to get... Um, it's not like Durham are getting here. If they would have announced Steve Smith, who's captain, he couldn't be, by the way, because he's got a two-year ban from any leadership role. Warner can't do it again while ever he's playing. But Bancroft, having no real leadership roles, he captained England and uh, Australia under-19s in 2011 in two matches. That is it. He's not been captain of Perth or Western Australia. Suddenly, Durham, with a guy who played for Western Australia, Marcus North, school teacher, been up there, ex-cricketer, done a bit of commentating on TalkSport and, and on Sky, is the director of cricket. He's brought in a Kiwi to stand by him, James Franklin, no coaching experience They're in mates, this country. I think. Very good mates, I'll yeah. tell you that. So he's brought him in as his coach, and now he's brought in a Western Australia player to help the development of them because he still has a lot of stuff to do with uh, Western Australia. It gives him the captaincy. I find it an absolute disgraceful decision uh, from Marcus North to give um, him the captaincy. Like I said, if he was a guy who had captained Australia before or he'd, everybody said what a brilliant leader he is as a man and everything that goes with it, but you only have to look at some of his interviews and the way he talked about that situation, that doesn't show great leadership skills to me. Any, leadership they... skills, just putting some sandpaper in your pocket and shining the, and trying to scratch the ball, that's not leadership skill. A strong leader would have stood up and said, no, I'm Sorry, not doing no, that, no. mate. No. When 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 Smith and Warner went to him and said we want you to scratch the ball, surely a strong person no. probably. Sorry, I know I'm not the most established player in this team, but I'm not doing that. So where's the leadership qualities? None. There's Coward no leadership qualities whatsoever. You're Cowardice right. is the word you could answer for that. And then also, he misses the first game for Durham. Why I ain't finished yet. He misses the first <laughs> game because he's got to go to a dinner, a sports dinner in Australia, end of season awards um, for Western Australia. Hilarious. Not only that, but did Durham consider, but Australia Ray have got a tour over here early season, and guess what? He could be in that as well, because if they've got any ambition of picking him for Australia, which he's hoping for in the Ashes series, he could be picked for Australia Ray first to get into some kind of form as an opener. Haven't finished. So Aussies who are here this year in an Ashes year, James Pattinson just been signed by Knox. Do you think he's got ambitions to play for Knox? He's, so, he's always he's got, wanted to wear that. I've always wanted. No, I've always wanted to come back. I love this club, Nottinghamshire. No, what he's done is come back from injury, and everybody knows if he's fit, he's one of the first players on the sheet for Australia moving forward. Guess what? Matt Renshaw, left-handed player, good strong player. Matthew Aiden look-alike when he bats. Oh, Kent have signed him. Let's get him into a bit of form early season. He doesn't play in a World Cup, so let's give him a chance at Kent Siddle signed by Essex to come back I tell you what Sid you just go and have another little practice in English conditions early season Sean Mask Morgan I tell you what let's sign a left-handed bats from middle order could be a big part of Australia's team in an Ashes year and guess what we haven't finished yet Warner and Smith are still on the outskirts they're going to the IPL they're going to be playing they're going to want some game time Yorkshire not got an overseas player yet I guarantee they go for Smith so there you go Guarantees Yorkshire goes to Smith. I was quite hoping Surrey might, but uh, look, it's, it must be an Ashes year, eh? When uh, I can't remember this amount of uh, vitriol when Ishant Sharma and Chesh Pujara were playing, but it, it, it's all part of it, isn't it? It's all part of the Ashes. Let's go back to the point, though. First off, I thought it was a very strange decision to make Cameron Bancroft captain of Durham um, because, like Offie said, actually, he doesn't exactly scream leadership material. No, the opposite, in fact. Um, if you, the, the big 
uh, interview he did over Boxing Day Test. He screamed someone who was unsure of himself then. Um, he was looking for sympathy. Uh, I'm not very happy with that. that I think realistically the players have tried to vilify Warner for something they all knew was going on and that maybe Warner was the one who pushed it too far but I, I don't care they all knew it was going on everyone in Australian cricket knew they'd been tampering with that ball right because you and I work in cricket we know that everyone is tampering with the ball so you know it, it, just stand up and go look we, we we probably just got unfocused a little bit and we took it too far we made a mistake and a senior player came up to me and that's fine but that's not the way that Bancroft tried to play it Instead, he tried to say, you know, what else was I, I was going to do? I was the young player and, and they came for... Well, that's not the person I want as captain. Now, I, I like Marcus North. You and I both know him. I commentated with him with, with TalkSport. Um, I, I, he's a very, very intelligent guy and I really hope he takes Durham forward. But I'm, I'm kind of with Goffey on this one. I hate being with Goffey on anything, as you know. But I'm, I'm with Goffey because I, I don't see what Marcus sees. Now, obviously, Marcus knows Cam way better. They go back in Western Australian cricket. Um, you know, they have a very, very strong relationship. They played together. Um, you know, I, you know, in Western Australian cricket, it's a very small area, so you know him very well. But as we currently stand, it's a huge position to give to someone. I forget the Ashes stuff because everyone's signing Australians and the counties try and win. And uh, they don't really care about uh, who wins the Ashes realistically. That's not their job. That's not what their members quite often want either. But when it comes down to it is... It doesn't seem to me like he's a natural leader. It doesn't seem to me like um, he was a leader in waiting. So what has as, as Marcus Norr seen in him that we haven't seen him? I just think there are better, safer options for, for Marcus North and for Durham right at the moment. But then maybe that shows that with Durham um, completely being you know, ripped over by the ECB, by Durham having no money left, maybe what we're seeing really is a last chance saloon and maybe Marcus North has to take this chance. I don't know. I think it's a mistake, but you and I are not there in the day-to-day reality of Durham cricket. Absolutely. And also, there's no chance, or rather there's actually quite a large chance that Cameron Bancroft won't be part of the Ashes squad anyway. Uh, I can't see him opening up. Uh, Australia have got two or three options there. Warner will come back. Um, So they could have him for a full season. And as you also say, what did Durham owe the game at the moment after the way they were treated? So it'll be fascinating to see how that one pans out. And surely it can't get any worse for Durham anyway, considering what's happened over the last couple of years. Uh, Steve Smith and David Warner. Now, we were going to play this all day last week, but uh, still relevant today. They met up with the Pakistan, or they met up with the Australian side ahead of the Pakistan series. Uh, two nil up, as we mentioned a little bit earlier. Let's hear what Steve Smith, David Warner, and Justin Langer all had to say. The coach of Australia, of course, Justin Langer, about the th- the two players coming back to the fold and being part of the team ahead of this series. Before, of course, Smith and Warner went off to play in the IPL been great um it seems like there's a really good energy around the group at the moment coming off the back of what was a terrific win in india um the spirits are really high the boys have had a few down days and slowly getting ready for obviously the upcoming series against pakistan but it's been great to be back around the group um you know they've been really welcoming again and it's almost like we never left so it's um yeah everything's on the right track you know it's like we we didn't really leave uh the boys were very accepting of uh of us coming in and with open arms and uh a lot of big hugs and 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 cuddles and uh now it's been great and it's it's good to see the spirit that they're in after a, a great series win in india and uh you know, obviously looking forward um, to watching them play against Pakistan here and, and hopefully they, they win the series there as well. Yeah, it's great to have them back in the team. It's like two brothers coming back home, you know. 
brothers leave home for different reasons in families, so nice to have them back in there. They've been received really well. We had a good night together last night. We had some great meetings today, so, yeah, it's been really positive. Well, what you'd expect, really. Um, Let's also hear what the three had to say about the culture of new Australia as opposed to old. I've obviously been out for 12 months. There's obviously been a big change. Um, which is which is great, uh, and it's about just accepting that and, and, and playing what our role should be in the team moving forward. And uh, yeah, obviously a big campaign um, moving forward, um, pending selection in the World Cup, um, and then obviously moving on to a, to an Ashes series. But obviously priority for the guys is winning here against Pakistan first. I guess it's just been going through the values that um, are sort of instilled in the team at the moment, and making sure we're on the right path. Looking forward to to what's coming up, um, you know, a huge World Cup and, and an Ashes series in England. It's, um, you know, pretty exciting times ahead for the team and just making sure everyone's on the right path and, and heading in the same direction. So it's, um, it's been very beneficial and, and really good. We, we set some values probably nine or ten months ago with the team and then we just had a look at where we're, how we're going with those values and how we can use our values and our behaviours to keep moving the team forward on and off the field. We've talked about making Australians proud talked about great cricketers and great people so this is just a really good opportunity with this um, time between the Indian series and the Pakistan series just to reset where we're at, reassess where we're at and I think again I think it's been a really uh, worthwhile exercise. Hi I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Culture within the Australian side. A year on, it's almost a year to the day since Sandpaper Gate, actually. What's changed in terms of the culture, if anything? And also, if you were to listen or read to any uh, journalist in and, around, in and amongst the team or any former player, there was no chance that David Warner would ever play for Australia again. 
What's changed? Um, he didn't speak out, I suppose, for Warner. Uh, they, they basically said to him, don't say anything and you can come back. And he didn't say anything. And, you know, he's not known as a restrained man, but he's, you know, getting to that age in his life and he's probably a bit as smart as he's ever been. And he's uh, decided, well, that's my chance. That's my chance. And Australian cricketers make a lot of money. This whole thing about going freelance, he would make a lot less money going freelance. And also he wouldn't be treated in the same, the, the same level, you know, having worked with him at St. Lucia. You know, it's not the same as, uh, you know, being an Australian player, the way that you're looked after and, and, and the facilities that are available to, to you and, and, and all those sorts of things. So I think for him, uh, he's, he's a family man, so he did what he had to do. So I think that's why he's back. As far as culture goes, I mean, it's just nonsense. We, we both know that the minute they're in a situation where they have to win again, they're going to do something like this again because it, that's what Australian cricket is. I've just written a really big feature for Crick Info that'll, that'll uh, you know, go up in the, over the next couple of months. And it's, it, it starts when you're about 11 or 12, this bad culture. It doesn't start at the Australian cricket team. In fact, the Australian cricket team is far better behaved than almost any level of cricket below it. All the other teams, whether it be shield cricket, whether it be underage cricket, whether it be club cricket, and club cricket is a vicious, vicious thing in Australia and has always been that way and is far worse, as I said, far worse than anything you see at the test level. But you are indoctrinated into this physical game of cricket, into this mental game of cricket, into this rough and rude and ridiculous, you know, you must win, you must win form of cricket. And, you know, until that changes, I don't see how the Australian team ever changes. And they think that they need to sledge to win. We're in actual fact for the first 100 years of Test cricket, they actually won without sledging. So it's complete nonsense that you need to sledge to win anyway. But as far as culture goes, uh, Justin Langer is the coach. We have seen footage of Justin Langer as a player walk past the bales, knock them off, and then allow the rest of his teammates to appeal for a hit hit wicket. Well, he knew he'd just taken the bales off. Don't tell me that the culture of the Australian cricket team has changed. They might, be, they might be pulling their heads in for a little while, but I've heard a lot about their culture changing over the last 15 years. I haven't seen it. The one part of Australian cricket that makes me think that we can actually get better is the crowds. And it's not ideal, but, you know, it wasn't, wasn't, you know, in the 70s, you had Jon Snow almost being pulled into the crown and people throwing bottles at his head. In the 90s, you had Martin Elam having bottles thrown at his head. Um, you know, I've seen so many, r- 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 uh, you know, just physical threats and, and, and mental stuff. And, and the crowds are still bad. There were, there were fans um, t- taken out of the um, Australia-India test for, for racial stuff. There was a racial poster at a Scorchers game as well. But there isn't that... You can go to an Australian cricket game now as a family and not feel threatened in the way that you did in the 90s and the 80s. And I say this as someone who went to the MCG um, in those days. They have turned it around. So there is a potential to be able to turn this around. But realistically, it's part of the Australian culture at the moment. I was absolutely flabbergasted the first time I ever watched cricket in Australia, 2006 at the Gabba. And I counted about 35 people evicted from the ground, a level of of drunkenness that actually I hadn't seen before. but it did seem to me that part of the problem was that tickets are so cheap. I know it sounds stupid, but essentially people don't really care. They go along, they spend 20 bucks to get in, they drink all day, they just abuse anything and anyone, and when they get kicked out, they're not going again for another year anyway, and they've only spent 20 bucks. The other side of it, and almost perverse side of it, was that essentially the bureaucracy in Australia and the way that the authorities clamp down on bad behaviour is so, it's not lenient it's completely the other way i saw a kid get kicked out of the gabba he must have been about 16 he got kicked out for trying to start a mexican wave so something's very very odd there um the racism side of things i mean we've spoken about this off off air many times 
I've been absolutely shocked at the racist racism that I've seen at Australian cricket grounds. Absolutely insane. So, um, yeah, look, it's a massive, massive topic. And maybe one of the ways that cricket crowds are going to change is through the Big Bash, bringing more kids to the game. Although I saw some kids going pretty much crazy in front of uh, parents in Australia as well, much as I have football grounds here in England. Where are we with domestic T20 tournaments? Because we've got the 100 starting next year. Back in 2003, that was the first domestic 2020 tournament in England. 2008 was the first IPL. CPL's been going on for about six or seven years. Um, We've seen a whole host of tournaments start up in the last five years or so. I'm not sure all of them can survive. But one thing that does come out of watching the first weekend's IPL action is that if any other tournament is hoping to get where the IPL has gotten itself, you need to spend money and you need to have the kind of talent that was on show. And the Big Bash isn't going to have that, and nor is the 100. No, well, look, when it comes down to it, there's there's every opportunity perhaps in the future for the IPL to be the only major league and for every other league to be a feeder league. That, that That's possible. The amount of money that's in India, um, the amount of success i mean the ipl got in early as far as a franchise league it worked out you know lalit modi has a lot of flaws and i, I you know i wouldn't trust him to pay my bar, bar bill um but when it comes to you know um seeing the game and being incredible at, at, at finding ways to exploit um indian audiences for the game he, he is a genius at that no one else has that though you could you and i could come up with the absolutely greatest idea for a new zealand t20 league and it'd still be a new zealand t20 league there's only four million people there's only so many of them that like cricket there's only so many of them get hooked on cricket right so this is the problem it is not a license to print money these t20 leagues in fact it's probably a license to lose money at this point um and there's too many teams that want to do it if you really thought about this really well what you could have is you could have a european league uh, you could then maybe even have a South African or, and Zimbabwean presence in that league if you wanted to. You'd then have an Australian-New Zealand league with per- perhaps um, um, Hong Kong or any other strong um, Asian teams there. You'd have an Asian league um, and the IPL, and that would be it. That's kind of what you need. Pakistan and Sri Lanka and Bangladesh all working together would be an incredible league, right? But we're not going to see that. So what we're going to see is a bunch of people do what Sri Lanka did, have a league, and then it, and then it fails. And look, I work in these leagues. They're all on the edge of failing. A CPL and uh, English league, that might be interesting as well, because when you consider the distances that India... Um, you have to fly around India, you have to fly around Australia... Actually, seven hours between Barbados and London. Hmm. Um, And talking of London, because that's where we are, as we may mention to at the start of the podcast, I live about a mile up the road, mile and a half up the road. You're not too far away as well, in a sunny corner of South London. Not one that's synonymous with one of the absolute greats that has ever played the game. Uh, But here we are, graveside, I suppose, at WG Grace. I'm just surprised that walking into this um, crematorium there's there's absolutely no reference to the fact that uh, the daddy of cricket lies here apart from a pub that was at the end of your road yeah the graces uh, they sell jam donut shots which in some ways doesn't feel respectful to WG Grace but at the same time I reckon he would have tried a jam donut shot especially if someone else had bought it for him uh, yeah it's, it's quite an interesting they, they do tours of this um, cemetery because there's so many uh, historical people here Thomas Crapper 
um, is here. Who actually lived around the corner as well. And this is the point in WG Grace's life where he was playing cricket in Crystal Palace, of mm. course, for the London County Cricket Team. Is that what they were, I think, at the time? Absolutely. They actually played county cricket and you can't see the uh, Crystal Palace Tower. Oh, yes, you can. It's just peeking over one of the houses there by Birkbeck Station. Uh, so, yeah, he actually played county cricket 1900 to 1904. And it makes me think, because you know the Wisden uh, Almanac did their five cricketers of the century. Now, he's, he stopped playing international cricket in 1899. If he'd played one more year, do you think he would have bumped Jack Hobbs off or one of the other names? No, because they were... I mean, he, he was the man before that, wasn't he? I mean... It, it's quite interesting. I hope I can get the numbers right. There was one year in county cricket in about 1860s, 1857, where he scored 1100s that year. And uh, the rest of county cricket combined scored about eight. Sorry, the rest of first class cricket, I think, <laughs> um, scored about eight. So it tells you what, how much better he was than anyone else, even compared to Bradman. Just a phenomenal player. And it all comes down to technique. He basically, he was very lucky. He grew up in a period where he was halfway between the underarm bowling and the overarm bowling, which means he basically had to develop two different techniques. One was to come forward um, and hit the ball from the underarm bowlers. And then when the sidearm and the overarm guys came, obviously you can't always come forward. You have to go back. Before that, batsmen either went forward or went back. He was the first person that said, well, depending on the ball... I go forward sometimes and I go back somewhat. Basically, what I'm explaining is modern batting, yeah? And he basically came up with that. And he was also, we see him, you know, because by the time cameras are everywhere, he's fat and he's mm. huge. And we see him as this. He was a hurdle sprinter. Well, see, just before I stop here, because it's interesting, because if you were to say to a cricket fan, tell us what you know about WG Grace, they'd probably know he was a doctor, as it says before on his gravestone actually doctor and cricketer I'm not sure why they aren't flipped round um, we know that he had a couple of brothers that also played uh, they played for England all three played for England on occasion I believe he uh, is obviously famous for the quote about the uh, they've come to see me bat not you bowl and all that he's kind of known as a bit of a, a bit of a rogue um, he was an amateur but got paid to play as most of them did but apart from that and what you mentioned about changing the game playing forward and back Tell us why now one guy who grew up in Melbourne and another guy who grew up in, in South London are standing at the graveside of WG Grace. So basically, if you think about it, so as I said, he, he came through in the 1850s, right? Uh, he was a hurdler as well, um, played football. I forget which team, sorry, I, sh I should know that, but he was a good footballer. So he's an incredible athlete. He then, obviously, he's brilliant at cricket. Now, think about, we think about modern sport in, through our own vision but the olympics didn't start till 1896 right up until the olympics the the, the biggest person in sport was wg grace in the world because sport didn't exist without him he's the first guy to get a sponsor he was i, I can't remember how many he played cricket in something like 11 or 12 countries around the world right and in time when it was bloody tough to travel from one country to another he was traveling all the time basically in in almost like tiger woods at tiger woods's height where you would you would basically you know, if you were from Canada and you wanted Tiger Woods, you know, you would put on a tournament and give him a bunch of money to come out. That's what WG Grace was doing as an amateur, hilariously. But that's essentially what happened. So he was the biggest sportsman in the world by a distance. He went to America to tour. He just went to Australia, went around Europe and played. You know, just he would have gone to Africa had there been probably more money in cricket there at the time. Um, 
the level that he was, you know, so there's a lot of things that we know. So I think the word megastar comes from cricket. And he was one of the first people it was ever used for, which, which sort of tells you the level that WG Grace was on. And also, he wasn't the reason that cricket grounds were fenced in. They were fenced in a little bit before him. I think the Oval was the first major ground that was ever fenced in. But he was the first person where they realized that he was above the game so that if you went to a game, it might have been you know one shilling to go to a to watch a game but if wg grace was playing it might have been three or four shillings right so they talk about michael you know in america they talk about stadiums being built for one for one person you know so michael jordan had one stadium built because michael jordan was playing at home in chicago wg grace built many stadiums around him and he then built a different ticketing structure based on who he was and he traveled the world in a time when you couldn't travel the world the the level of famous he was and and the funny thing is If he existed today, if there was a player that much better than everyone else who was, let's be honest, on the fringes of the laws of cricket. Uh, He once ran out someone when they went down the wicket to uh, do some gardening, for instance. Uh, He once, you know, legendary, put the bales back on. There's talk of him saying to scorers, you sure you got that score right? I'm pretty sure I made 400, not 399 or whatever it was. Um, If someone was like that now, they would be absolutely abused in the press all the time. And yet uh, he's not seen that way. He's seen as this incredible hero. And, you know, I think he was almost, this is the way I look at him. The reason that we're still talking about him today is he was the birth of modern sport, not just the birth of modern cricket. I think there's a book in there. Uh, Unfortunately, that does bring us to the end of the show this week. And this time next week, we'll still be in South London. You'll be delighted to hear. At the Oval, the uh, home of the champions of the County uh, Championship Division 1, looking ahead to the season. The press days have started. So uh, we're joined by Gareth Batty. Uh, What's your movements for next week? Um, I don't know. I haven't haven't looked at my diary. Would you like me to look at my diary on air? Yeah, go on then. Um, Well, that'll be it uh, from uh, myself and Jared as another train just uh, goes past. Not a train? No, it's a tram, isn't it? Oh, we're that far out. Told you it was suburban London. Uh, We've actually got trams, we've got trains, we've got Crystal Palace in the background. Uh, We're at Beckenham uh, Cemetery and we'll be back with following on at the Oval next week. Thanks for joining us. This has been following on. To never miss an episode, be sure to subscribe either on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast app. See you next week. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm.